Well, happy Sunday, folks. Here is chapter three of The Stone Chiseler. As a reminder, you can order the Kindle, Audible, or paperback version at Amazon.com, or you can go out to JasonRightNow.com and order the paperback for $10 of The Stone Chiseler. I hope you enjoy chapter three of The Stone Chiseler. Thanks for listening. Chapter three, Arrest and Trial. The boy looked upon his father in shock and sorrow. His tears flowed uncontrollably. Paying no attention to the boy's plight, one official grabbed him by the arm and lifted him up. Two others picked up his father, one at each side, and carried him to a wagon to carry his body away for disposal. They tossed him into the wagon no differently than they might have tossed a bag of potatoes. The boy, now sitting arms and legs bound, watched as dust kicked up behind the wagon and he watched his father's lifeless body fade into the distance. Reeling from the shock of the day's events, the boy was taken to the royal court where he would learn his fate. He sat among other soon-to-be prisoners. Most of the others were petty thieves, political prisoners, debtors, and the like. The shock was interrupted for a moment by the intrigue of hearing of one prisoner. He listened intently as the man was harshly questioned for conspiracy. Signor Machiavelli, you have been brought here today for conspiracy. Your name was on the list for other criminal conspirators. And for this, you shall suffer the fate of Le Cartiere del Stinch. Stinch was well known to be an earthly version of hell. The walls were said to crawl with vermin. It was cold and included the notorious racks where prisoners were tortured until they confessed their crimes. The boy knew of Stinch and feared it. A magistrate announced, We will now hear the charge brought against Giovanni Cristiani. What is the charge that brings this boy before us today? A senior official of the court entered and asked the boy, Young man, do you know why you stand before this court today? You realize a crime was committed by your father. Your father being unable to be here today has passed the burden of his punishment on to you. Do you understand? The boy, looking at the ground as if still in a state of shock, did not answer. Young man, the official continued, I assure you a show of silence, which I take to be disrespect, will not serve you well today. I ask again, do you know why you find yourself here today? Although the criminal courts of the day had ample recent precedent to draw from, ruling emotion rather than objectivity was the custom of the day. Almost everything was measured against social understanding and human experience. Therefore, the image of the crime and its corresponding punishment were of utmost importance. The boy looked up, and in a quiet, crackling voice replied, No, my lord, I do not. Well, let me explain it to you so that even a young man of your tender years can understand. You are the son of a thief. A rotten, low-life thief. So low is your father, or shall I say, was your father. He chose to steal the nutrition intended for swine. Do you know that your father was a thief? The boy, with a confused look on his face, replied, No, sir. I've never known my father to take anything from anyone that was not part of a fair and rightful trade. 
The man continued. Commerce is the lifeblood of any thriving civilization. Anyone, even a member of the Popolo Minuto, such as yourself, has the power to disrupt commerce and thus our flourishing way of life. This is unacceptable. The boy looked up with terror covering his face. I'm sorry, sir. I know nothing of the laws of commerce of which you speak. Hmm, yes, I see. So I'm to believe there is no chance that your father, being the scoundrel he most definitely was, taught you his wicked ways, is that it? Apples falling from trees and none just apply to you. Is that what you're telling me? Your father never took it upon himself to instruct you in the ways of trade. He never mentioned the reason we endure this most beautiful city, full of rich art, music, and architecture, is due to a thriving commercial population. Sir, I know nothing of apples in trees, nor the way in which they fall. Other members of the court snickered at the boy's reply. The presiding official looked around the room with a look of disdain, and his cheeks became flush and ruddy, showing his embarrassment. Oh, you have a sharp tongue, do you? I'm sorry, sir, the boy said. I do not know what you mean. Let me tell you a thing or two about apples and trees. When a tree has ripened, with apples on its limbs eventually, it achieves a ripeness that causes them to fall. Being spawned from the limbs of the tree, it is not usual for the apple to fall far beyond the tree from which it was born. The apple only strays from the tree when it is picked up or stolen. But either way, the apple falls directly in proportion to the tree from which it came. Are you following me, boy? Do you understand trees and apples now? Allow me to continue. Trees and apples, like young boys, take time to grow. Time is what a man has to conduct work. Work that contributes to his society. This is how a man accumulates wealth. Time and the liberty to use that time are of great benefit to the individual. Your father has left you with a debt to pay, young man. Do you understand? Yes, sir, I believe so, the boy said sheepishly with a look of confusion on his face. Well, as I see it, a bread thief doesn't fall much farther from the father than the apple from the tree. If the father steals, so too will the offspring. You, boy, have the blood of a thief coursing through your veins. Furthermore, amends must be made for your father's ill deeds. It would appear he's rather indisposed and soon to be decomposed at this time, the man said with a smirk, displaying no remorse or sympathy for the now orphaned son standing before him. I suggest before you are able to roam these streets as a thief like your father, you, young man, are in need of rehabilitation. Whatever color was in the boy's face quickly vanished. He sat, dumbfounded, hearing every word the man said with a resounding ring in his head. I think in this case we can kill two birds with one stone. I won't ask you if you know about birds and stones. I'll just skip right to the lesson, boy. I'm sentencing you to an indefinite term in the... The boy waited in terror to learn his fate. Not stench. Worse yet, it could be the stone yards. Which would it be? Both promised the boy nothing but torture. Stone yards. This will provide the punishment your father is not here to receive. Maybe you will chisel the thief out of you that may exist 
undetected to the human eye. The boy became numb all over. His legs felt faint. His head began to swim. The stone yards, he thought to himself. He had been taught since he was a small boy that this place is reserved for the most despicable among the population. How could he, by his father's deeds, be a member of this unsavory population? His father was the most honorable man he had ever known. Since he could remember, his father had raised him to be a person of integrity and honor. What had happened? The stone yards were a symbol of the time. In this era, Florence was indulging more in lifestyle, thought, and reasoning. There was much more focus on beauty and nuance than rigid ideology and rule. Art was flourishing. Time was beginning to be valued as a precious commodity for which there was not an unlimited supply. Everything needed to have utilitarian value. Nothing was of greater value than that which added to the city's beauty and comely reputation. The Stinch was a grotesque prison situated upon a hill at the edge of the city. The Stone Yard was conceived as a more humane locale for punishment and rehabilitation. The early designers had hoped the stones would be more beautiful than prison walls. The men chained to them by the rest of the world to witness, however, dwarfed whatever beauty the wallless prison might offer. The boy eventually gathered himself. He took a deep breath. It was at this moment he remembered his father's words. No matter what you do, my son, hold your head high and do it with honor. Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, the privilege to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. With his father's words whispering in his head, he pulled his shoulders back. He looked the official directly in the eye and replied, So be it! <laughs>